Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to provide our listeners with some really good information about real estate. Sometimes that information is about numbers and statistics. Sometimes it's about what we think. And um, today's show should be really good because I think we're going to have a good blend of that with the two guests that we have. And wouldn't you know, they're even married. (laughs) That would be Stephanie and Jeff Zimmerman. Uh, Jeff is a realtor at Realty Concepts. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, Don. And Stephanie is the uh, owner and founder of the Zimmerman Therapy Group and also Enterra Therapy. Good morning, Don. Good morning. Can you tell us the difference between the two groups? Yeah, Zimmerman Therapy Group <laughs> is our for-profit therapy practice, uh, and Enterra Therapy is our nonprofit therapy practice. We have locations in Fresno, Clovis, and Visalia, and so they serve all three locations. So why the profit and nonprofit? I'm just curious. Yeah, just to uh, reach a, a wider group of, of uh, clients. Um, we have therapists who are associates who work at a, a lower fee per session, um, and so we can work. We can reach a wider uh, range of clients, uh, whereas our licensed therapists are at a higher rate. Um, we also take VOC clients, um, which are victims of crime clients, um, and we can get grant funding in our nonprofit. Um, offer some other services in our nonprofit that we can't in our for-profit. Well, that would make sense. And then, Jeff, um, what type of real estate do you do? Yeah, I uh, I focus a lot on single-family homes, uh, both in the owner-occupied realm as well as uh, multi-family homes as apartments, investments, um, and single-family home investments as well as ag land are my main three. Okay, and I have a little disclaimer for the listeners. I hear Jeff all the time. You yeah. see, his office is right next to me. And even when we both close our doors, yeah. those walls, it's like they're talking. Yeah. You can just hear one another right through there. <laughs> I remember a month ago, uh, you came into my office and you go, who was that? Because I had my uncle on the phone and he was trying to tell a joke and he was just laughing and laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff couldn't believe who that or what was going on. It was a good time. It was a good time. <laughs> All right. So the reason I, I, I'm excited about today's show because we're going to talk about what I believe is the number one problem in the real estate industry. And maybe I shouldn't say problem. I should say issue. And it's not interest rates. It's not prices, affordability. It's fear. Fear is something that I see holding people back. And if I could go to my first experience buying a home, uh, bought a home, uh, four-bedroom home over there by Cedar and Herndon, uh, negotiated a deal for $44,000. Okay, it was a while back. (laughs) But I chickened out halfway through the escrow. Mm -hmm. And... um, Thankfully, I had a relative that said, don't do that. And I said, well, or don't back out. Mm-hmm. And I said, but I'm afraid. What if? What if I lose my job? He goes, I'm your boss. I'm not going to fire you. <laughs> but what if 
the world ends. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he went in partners with me, and he made half the profit. So I, I came out good, but yet I lost half because I had fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that sound like a normal story? <laughs> so typical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so what? What was I experiencing back then? I mean, you don't, not that you knew me back then, but it's typical. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, fear, it's an emotional state, right? And uh, it can uh, highlight what's maybe going on that's dangerous, but it also can motivate us to, do, to take a risk, to, to take action on something. Fear is, um, it, it is something to pay attention to, but it doesn't always speak the truth. And so we have to, to evaluate the fear. Um, and in that moment, it sounds like you were feeling maybe buyer's remorse or fear of the future, uncertainty, and you weren't sure how to manage that, how to navigate that. Yeah. You nailed it. And you didn't even know me as that young guy back then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Buyer's remorse is something that I always tell my buyers that you're going to get it. The next, the morning after you wake up, it's like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and it's it's normal. Mm-hmm. And of course, the biggest buyer's remorse comes in. I remember I bought a home and brought my mother through the house. She's no more than five steps in the door, and she goes, "Hey, you paid it too much." <laughs> it's like, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> she was a seamstress, but um, hey. Uh, she must have been knew something because we did hit a recession after a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, does everybody have fear? Yes. <laughs> okay. It, so it's a kind of a natural instinct. Yeah, it's an emotion just like happiness or sadness or boredom. Um, our emotions they alert us to things. Um, but they don't necessarily speak truth, like I said a second ago. And so we have to we have to evaluate what is that fear, uh, what's the role in a fear in my life in this moment? Is it because, hey, there is a bear running after me right now and I should be afraid? Or is it because I'm just scared of something going wrong? Um, it sounds like in that moment you were scared of what if I lose my job? What if the economy crashes? What if all these what ifs? We can't predict those future scenarios, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was fear of failure. What if I bought it and it didn't work out good? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think sometimes we can fear um, the future, but we forget that, you know, we have persevered through whatever circumstances previous to get us to the point where you could purchase the home. So why couldn't you, in a future scary moment of losing your job or doing something, the economy crashing, also persevere and figure out those moments, problem solve those situations to get a different job to keep the house or to, you know, work through the economy crashing. And, you know, and that is what happened because I ended up a few years later, three years later, lost my job. Mm -hmm. Um, The whole company closed up. Mm -hmm. But I had that commitment. So I, I went out and found another job. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You, ha- you had it within yourself to figure out that problem at that moment. In the moment of buying your house, you may not have felt like you were capable of figuring it out in the future. That's right. <laughs> so 
<clears throat> fear can be a motivator too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Jeff, do you, do you see that in working with buyers and sellers? How, how does fear play into the real estate game? Yeah, the way I see it a lot is with the investors I work with, especially uh, the first-time investors. It's it's an incredibly scary moment to buy that because they keep running. Uh, numbers and analysis to make sure this property is going to do what they need it to do, you know, and it's not going to make them poor. And um, there's a saying out there called analysis paralysis, right? Where you do so much of it, eventually it just jumbles up and you can't even make a decision one way or another. And so I I always encourage, um, especially those buyers, that, you know, apart from all the financials, you've looked at so many things, what are your instincts telling you, right? Apart from your emotions and everything else you got going on, what are your instincts telling you you should do? They might actually be right, you know, versus the fear you're having or the excitement you're having or, you know, because it works both ways. They might make a decision out of fear, which is unhealthy, or they might make a decision out of being um, too excited and being emotionally uh, tied to the deal when the deal's not good and they end up going forward and they shouldn't go forward. And so it's what are your instincts telling you is what how I like to coach people. So fear is... What I'm hearing you say is fear is actually a good thing because it's going to make you think. But you've got to think through it. That doesn't mean go against it. Right. Maybe you pay attention to it. But uh, balance it out. The, uh, maybe you do the analysis and all the numbers. But the fact is your family still needs a home. Right. So maybe you balance it out. <clears throat> give that the family a little more. Um, importance than the calculator. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, fear of not having um, your future financial situation, you know, planned out maybe could motivate you to buy an investment home or investment property or something. And um, that's that's how fear can really motivate you to take a step forward. But we got to stay in what's called the window of tolerance to be able to manage that fear when we go outside of it, above or below it, then we're going to get the analysis paralysis or we're going to just be immobile and not take any action. So we have to figure out when I feel fear, what kind of coping mechanisms, what kind of skills do I need to do to keep myself in my window of tolerance where I might still feel fear, but I'm able to tolerate it. I'm able to handle it. I'm able to still take action, make decisions, walk to the next process. All right. When we get back from our first commercial break, I've got some good questions for the two of you. And I'm interested to see, for coming from different perspectives, how these answers are going to come out. Sounds so good. stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio, we have Stephanie Zimmerman of the Zimmerman Therapy Group, and we also have Jeff Zimmerman of Realty Concepts here, Um, a realtor doing residential and investment properties. So, the two of you are going to be coming from different perspectives here, but I want to give you some... I'll call them quotes from people that I've talked to in the past. And and how would you counsel 
somebody that had these thoughts. Mm -hmm. So recently I had somebody that said, no, you know what, I, I know I need a home for my family and my rent's getting up there, right. but I, I'm afraid that prices are going to drop. The market's going to crash and the uh, prices are going to drop, so I should probably wait. I should procrastinate. Oh, he didn't say procrastinate. Hmm. I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should wait until prices go down. So um, let me start off with Jeff because you give us the real estate side of that. Yeah. Uh, it's never wise to, to try and time the market because people that are at a much higher pay grade than all of us get it wrong all the time. And uh, so... Uh, I say don't time the market. I mean, right now, um, we've had some good interest have come down a little bit in the last week, which has been great for buyers. Um, but they're still, you know, higher than what we've been used to. And if you buy now, yeah, you'll get a higher rate. But if you wait for those rates to go down, um, you'll pay a higher price for your house. So you're missing out on a lot of equity um, coming up. But if for some reason the rates go up um, after you buy today, you can be thankful that um, you're not making a much higher payment. So I think it's always better to strike with a, uh, you know, today rather than tomorrow. Yeah, and you know when I bought that house for forty-four thousand, I forgot to tell you what the interest rate was. It was twelve and a half. Yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, the professor at Fresno State in real estate finance at that time was saying. This is why interest rates will never fall below twelve percent again. Yeah, right. So right. I really thought I was doing well yeah. at twelve and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, still have the house, and I had bought it for forty-four thousand. And of course, now my interest rate is zero. Right. Because <laughs> it's it's mm -hmm. been paid off. Of course, mm -hmm. it's been a while. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. All right. So from the from your side of it, Stephanie, how would you analyze or counsel, better better put, how would you counsel somebody that says, I want to procrastinate, I want to wait? Yeah, you know, what comes to my mind is that feels like very perfectionistic thinking, and we're always going to look back, um, you know, in time, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But... It, you obviously you have to take into account wisdom that you're going to get from your realtor or from um, whoever else you're looking to counsel you that knows real estate. But as far as dealing with the fear of things, uh, life is a bunch of experiments, and you you take into account the knowledge, the information you have, and you make the best decision you can at that time. And may you learn something along the way that changes your decision process five years from now, sure. But at that time, you didn't know, you didn't have that knowledge. You didn't have that life experience or that wisdom. And so you got to make the best decision in that moment that you can and then keep learning as you go on in life. I don't know if you noticed, but I wrote down something yeah. you said. Perfectionist thinking. Mm -hmm. I've never really heard that term before. Tell us more about that. Well, when I hear, like, I just want to wait because what if tomorrow is a better option? It makes me think that that person is trying to make the best or, i.e., the perfect decision. And, you know, I'm not in real estate, but I don't think there are ever perfect decisions. 
um, we're, we're making the best decision we can at the time. And sometimes it might go really well and sometimes it might not. But mm. we can never make perfect decisions. So another way to look at that term perfectionist thinking is looking for the flaw. So if you think, if you have analysis paralysis, like you yep. said, Jeff, yep. you will find a flaw in mm -hmm. the whole theory. Always. Mm -hmm. if, yeah. So interesting. Perfectionist thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. That's a new one for me, <clears throat> and I am going to use it again and again. Um, all right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that fear has stopped many people from realizing what they're capable of doing. Uh, in, obviously in real estate, but how about, Stephanie, let me ask you, when people maybe are trying to work their way up uh, professionally mm -hmm. in jobs, maybe they're fearful of getting that management job, and yet they're probably capable. Absolutely. That confidence or lack thereof or imposter syndrome can be huge. Um, but the reality is that we can't have the skills until we take that next step and build the skills. Brene Brown is very popular in, in my world, and she talks about the concept of couraging, that a lot of times people say, well, I don't have enough courage, or I'm not brave enough to do that, or I'm not confident enough to do that, but you can't become confident or develop courage or have bravery until you take the fearful, scary step forward to then develop courage. So you can't have courage before you do the scary thing that develops the courage. You can't become good at the next professional job that you take that's kind of leveling up until you take it and then develop the skills that you need to do that job. So, um, you know, that I totally get the fear of, I don't think I can do that, but you will develop that. You develop the skills you need um, as you're doing the job. Mm -hmm. You made me think of a, an experience in my life, but I, and this is where I'm glad that fear took over and stopped me. Mm. <clears throat> I had tried hang gliding, <laughs> and, and I used to fly, <clears throat> excuse me, off of Kettleman Hills, 400 feet. All right. Well, one time, me and my friends were going to go off a Toll House Rock, and it was a 2,000-foot sheer drop. Nice. And uh, thankfully, fear took over because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would have been here today. Yeah. <laughs> Hang gliding okay. is sure fun, though. We've done it with our kids. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, but then, too, maybe had I done it and been successful, who knows? I might have uh, ended up hang gliding off of uh, Half Dome. <laughs> you <Yeah>. may have. <laughs> may have been a professional hang glider. You never know. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, how, how does one overcome fear? Great question. So lots of different aspects go into that. Mm -hmm. But first and foremost, you have to learn how to calm yourself how to um, bring your emotional state back down to that window of tolerance. Um, there's so many different ways you can do that, and you have to find what works for you. Um, but, you know, breathing, meditation, journaling, taking walks, taking baths, 
There, I mean, if you Google how to calm yourself or coping skills, you'll find hundreds of, of options. And, of course, I'm always going to recommend therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but first and foremost, you have to learn how to regulate your emotions back down to calm. Uh, if we're just expecting ourselves to stay in that state of fear and make decisions, uh, we're not going to because our, our brain is quite literally offline when we're in that hyper state of fear. Um, you, your upstairs brain and your downstairs brain essentially disconnect, and your upstairs brain is, uh, is responsible for problem-solving, communication skills, logic, all this really important stuff to make a decision about real estate. Um, or about hang gliding or about the next job to take. And so if we're in that, that heightened state of fear um, and we've had our upstairs brain offline, so to speak, we're not going to be capable of making those decisions. So we really have to uh, regulate our emotions back down to calm before we can take any next step of thinking it through or taking action. Okay. So when you get fearful of making a decision or doing something, Calm yourself down. Yeah. Breathing. Breathing. <laughs> and then play. Like, we gotta be, we got to do something fun and playful to take yourself out of that fearful state. So calm down and then go and do something that you enjoy to keep helping yourself regulate. And then figure out what's the clear path forward. What's the next step? What's the next action I need to take? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you. Um, We are going to go to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. I'm proud of the house we built. It's stronger than sticks, stones, and steel. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio today, we have Stephanie Zimmerman of the Zimmerman Therapy Group and Jeff Zimmerman of Realty Concepts who is heavily involved in investment real estate. Yeah. Why should people invest in real estate? What's the good thing about it? I mean, it's a fantastic view. I mean, I'm an agent today because I became a real estate investor years before that even happened. And I I just decided I I love the world and the industry so much that I wanted to be in the sales side of it as well. And uh, I mean, for me personally, real estate investment has made me a lot more uh, money or better returns than um, anything else I've I've been able to do, um, and so I, I love it. And I I tell people all the time it's one of the smartest things you'll you'll ever invest in. I've often called real estate the visible investment. Yeah, you can drive by it, you can see things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember an, uh, a home one time that I had rented out to some people. They were on time every month. The yard, I mean, I was proud of the yard that they were keeping up. It, right. It, it kind of set the new standard for mm-hmm. the neighborhood. And that lasted about two years. Mm-hmm. And I drove by and I noticed that, wow, the yard's not the same as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, then I noticed, you know, car. I would drive by another time and not as many cars there. Turned out, oh, turned out they got a divorce. It, and wouldn't you know... Um, they started paying late. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, by driving by there, I could visibly see that there were troubles brewing. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with your stock portfolio. No. Well, I guess you could if you're a 
stock analyst. And, and, yeah. Yeah. But um, we all know houses. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's simplistic that way. I mean, and, and I would even say that investing in real estate is not necessarily for everybody. I think a lot of people are trying to find that investment vehicle that will do whatever their goals are, help them accomplish their financial goals. And I think the the best thing you can do is understand what you're investing in. So um, I have a good friend who is a stockbroker and all of his money is in stocks, but he understands them, you know, left, right, backwards and forwards, the whole thing. And he does very well. Um, I don't understand stocks, so I have a better chance at losing money than making money in stocks. But I understand real estate. And so I make money in real estate. Um, and I think that's the most important thing, whatever vehicle you choose, you'll, you'll do well in. What's the advantages and the disadvantages between multifamily and single-family residence? Yeah. The, well, the advantages most go to a multifamily residence. Um, some of the biggest ones is that you get to mitigate your expenses a lot better. So, for instance, if you own a fourplex, you have four units but you only have one roof. So when that roof goes out, you gotta replace the roof, it's expensive. Um, But if you own a single family home, you have one unit and one roof, and when that roof goes out, they cost the same to replace it, but your rent is far less compared to the fourplex. So uh, multifamily has a lot of advantages in that way when it comes to mitigating costs. Um, It helps your vacancy factor a lot more because if you have a move out in a single family home, you have 100% vacancy the minute someone moves out. If you have one move out in your fourplex, you only have 25% vacancy at that time. Mm-hmm. So you're not making, in a single family home, you'd make zero money. In the multifamily home, you're, only, you're still making 75% of your, of your rent potential. Um, so there's a lot more advantages there when it comes to that. In a single family home, some of the advantages would be that it can be a simpler operation your typically your tenant and trash gardener those kinds of things and but in a multifamily home as an owner you have to pay for those things so you have fewer uh line items to pay uh but most of the time the advantage that goes to multifamily unless you want something more simplistic one tenant a tenant that will probably stay longer term and you'll have less turnover in a single family home especially if it's a family with kids um so yeah, different multifamily. The advantages are more financial. Single family, the advantages are more on the management side of it. Okay, that makes sense. Now, the big buzzword out there now is ADUs. Yep. Can you tell us about these accessory dwelling units? Yeah. So they're uh, they're they're kind of all the buzz because there's uh, been a, the laws have become much more friendly to having them. And they can be a very inexpensive way to improve your single family or multifamily home to add another unit, Um, whether it's a detached unit in the backyard or converting the garage into uh, its own studio apartment or one bedroom apartment. Um, It can be a big advantage if you buy a single family home and you can, um, you know, change the garage into another unit. Well, all of a sudden you got a duplex now, and you may have paid a single-family home price instead of a duplex price, um, and but your rent just went up by a thousand dollars a month pretty easily. Mm-hmm. However, <clears throat> when you put an ADU, you're also forming a new neighborhood. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so inside of that one lot, you have two different families living there, yeah, and 
so how can a landlord help establish that good neighborhood? And I'm going to turn to you, Stephanie, on this one. It, how how can you talk with the, the the two tenants and make sure that they form a good neighborhood? Hmm. Um. You know what comes to my mind first off is just starting with talking, starting with developing relationship and you mean communication? <laughs> communicating. I know it's revolutionary. revolutionary. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, and, and you heard it first on Welcome Home Radio. <laughs> Um, and, and also setting your expectations. You know, if you do have rules or standards that you want them to live by, um, you know, speaking those out loud rather than just assuming somebody is going to know them also. Um, you know, that kind of comes in the realm of the communicating piece. But really, I think sometimes we have it in our head, like, I expect somebody to do this, but we don't actually explicitly say it out loud, and then somebody doesn't meet that expectation, and we're disappointed. Jeff, do you see that as a potential problem with ADUs? Oh, sure. Anytime you have people living in close quarters, uh, it has the potential for conflict. Um, So having them be neighbors is really important, you know, to be able to... If you're a landlord, one thing that's important is screen your tenants so that you see them having good rental history because usually good rental history will dictate that they'll continue to have good rental history going forward you know if we want to study the future if you want to the future to study the past um and so if you've got people with good rental history they can usually live next door to each other and everything will be fine if you place people that have questionable rental history well you might be causing conflict in your own property and that's only going to lead to problems for you as a landlord but I would also think that it would be no different than if you had an existing duplex or fourplex. Yeah, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. So how does an owner manage that neighborhood when you have a fourplex? Well, that's a great question, you know, because if you don't well, that's own... because I don't know the answer. Yeah, either. right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you don't own the neighboring properties, you're, you could be at, at the mercy of how that other property is going. Um, so that could be could be an issue there, but um, but again, yeah. Sometimes it's as simple as just as screening your tenants very well and putting tenants in there. That uh, it's sort of like a rising tide raises all ships. If you put a good tenant in there, then they're going to take care of your property, give you less maintenance expenses. Uh, they're going to pay your rent on time, which is good for you. That tenant will have a great place to live that you'll maintain for them, and you'll want to keep them. So you'll want to make sure they feel cared for and get their problems fixed and in the house and those kinds of things. Um, and then uh, when your neighbors get along with what you can control, you'll never have people causing the problems in the neighborhood. Maybe you'll get some other people that you don't love in the neighborhood, but um, as long as they're not in your building, usually it ends up okay. Mm-hmm. You know, John, I think Jeff highlighted something that stood out to me is um, you set the tone, right? So as a landlord, you set the tone. If you're caring for your tenants, you're setting the tone for what that expectation is of that neighborhood. Same with you guys as realtors. You set the tone for your clients in regards to fear. If they're coming to you fearful and you're saying, 
you're feeling fear yourself and you're like, yeah, I know it's scary times or, you know, the interest rate or whatever, you're setting the tone versus if you're being calm yourself and you're able to talk your, your clients down through why it's okay even if interest rate or economy or whatever, you're setting the tone. And so I think he's really hitting on something that's important of setting the tone to be a good neighbor, to be a good landlord. And if you keep your property in the right uh, condition to attract someone who can be a good neighbor versus keeping it in not as great of condition and you've got to charge lower rent because of it, sometimes you end up with people that they're not choosing to live in your property. It's just that nobody else will take them. And then if you start to get those types of tenants, that can go down bad roads if it's, yeah, that way. You just made me think of something. Sometimes I'll have... I'll uh, have turnover in a rental, and I'm in the process of getting it cleaned up, fixed up, painted, and such. Somebody walks in and says, oh, this is great. I'll take it. And it's like, oh, you know, the standard's pretty low right now. Mm -hmm. I haven't painted it, cleaned it Mm -hmm. up, Mm -hmm. hauled off trash or whatever. That's a warning sign Mm -hmm. that that may not be a great Mm -hmm. person to have. have that business relationship with, right? Because they do have low standards. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've often looked for that comment about <clears throat> um, you are going to clean the stove, aren't you? Yeah. That that tells me they have a a, a higher standard. Mm. Yeah. So absolutely, if they're asking for things to be delivered uh, as expected then, yeah, that's a really positive thing. If they, they can also cross that line to start asking you to deliver things that are beyond the market norms, like, uh, like, like if you have a perfectly good stove in there, and they say, oh, and you're going you're gonna to bring me a new stove, right? Like a stainless steel one, you know? Yeah. You think uh, you're, there's going to be more requests coming, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why, I personally, I like to meet the people myself, mm-hmm. get that good feel for them, the gut instinct, as opposed to the analysis. Um, and, yeah, then you have a good relationship. You know that you can communicate with mm-hmm. them, uh, and they can communicate back to you. That That's really, really important. Yep. So um, why is real estate, in your opinion, Jeff, why is real estate a better investment than uh, Bitcoin? Yeah, well... I, or anything else like I mean I'd say for with Bitcoin I have I don't understand uh, cryptocurrency at all so I'm sure if I bought some I would lose money on it <laughs> you know I, I don't know when to buy it when to hold it when to sell it uh, or which ones to buy so uh, I have no knowledge of that whatsoever so I'd say purely my knowledge would be uh, bad with that as well as stocks and other investments that you can do um, but real estate's great because you there are so many advantages to it not only do you get the income from the tenants um, you can buy uh, it's one of the few assets you can buy with uh, with other people's money you know you can't get a loan to buy stocks but you can get a loan to buy real estate um, so you don't need to save up as much money as you would for other investments that's a real positive thing and that provides great leverage for you and higher returns in the long run uh, versus paying cash for something, um, generally speaking. Um, And then over time, that asset appreciates for you by quite a bit, um, And but it also depreciates for you. And what I mean by that is um, there's usually tax advantages to owning real estate that 
um, you can write off on your tax returns um, almost just for fun, you know, and <laughs> you talk to your accountant about that, but it's another added way to, to make money on it. And most of the time you can't depreciate stocks that I know mm-hmm. of. But, but uh, a good reason for depreciation on your taxes is let's, um, let's say a roof is going to last 30 years. Well, they let you depreciate that at what, 127.5%? Yeah. I, I said that wrong. Yeah. 127. Yeah. I'll forget the half year. <laughs> but um, because you know that in 27 years or 30 years, you're going to need another roof. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. why that's there. With that, we are going to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. Here in the studio, we have Jeff Zimmerman of Realty Concepts, Realtor Extraordinaire. That's a good title. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll take it. Yeah. You know, I give that to every realtor every week. I, I figured. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then your better 90%, Stephanie Zimmerman. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Zimmerman Therapy Group. All right. So we've been talking a lot about fear in this show. We've also talked investment, real estate. But I want to get back to fear because in my theory, my theory that's been the number one issue for the last 40 years mm-hmm. <laughs> is fear. You know, what if, all the what ifs, what if rates go down? What if um, prices go down? What if the market crashes? So um, how legitimate is that, and, and those fears, and what can we do about them? And from a therapy side and from a real estate side. We'll start with the therapy side. I can probably use it. (laughs) You know, what comes to my mind right now is just trying to take fear and replacing it with curiosity. When we try to just have no fear, we're going to probably keep feeling like we're hitting ourselves, hitting our head against the wall because you can't um, you can't block that energy, but you can transform it, right? Um, and so if we say, instead of I'm afraid of this, what if we just say I'm curious about this? And that can then open our, not only like physically open our brain up to being more functional as far as we're no longer just offline in our upstairs brain, but then it can also just expand our, our thought process to oh, if I'm curious about the interest rate or I'm curious about what happens if, then I can start asking more questions, exploring, researching to find out if I'm comfortable with the risk that I might be taking versus just saying, what if? That what if question just really stops the thought process and blocks any exploration or curiosity or creativity in our thought process. You know, I wrote something down again that you said about replacing fear with curiosity, mm-hmm. but I added a little bit to it. Yeah. You said that equals educate yourself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. What if interest rates go down? Well, if they go down far enough to where it really makes a difference, you can refinance. Yeah. 
And you'll gain a lot of equity in the meantime because the demand will go up for those properties. So you're in a good spot, actually, if that happens. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, if interest rates go <clears throat> way down, what you're saying is now a lot of new buyers are going to come out. So now yep. you have a new problem. Yep. And that is too many buyers to compete with. Absolutely, which improves, which only, so if you buy with, with interest rates still relatively high, um, you're looking at a lot of equity when rates eventually go down um, because the demand will increase and there'll be more buyers out there. And uh, now you've got a really good problem and you've got decisions to make. Do you, uh, you can just refinance down and get yourself a lower payment, which is great. You can uh, refinance and take some cash out if you choose to do that with your home and potentially put it into another piece of real estate that'll help uh, gain you some more equity and some more money over time. Um, or you can sell it and exchange it for a bigger property or a nicer property or whatever you'd like like to do with that. So it's um, you're facing some good problems if you buy with rates somewhat high and then they go low. And price-wise, let's say prices go down, time usually, not usually, time has always healed that. I remember a while back, I had a property that I bought, and next thing you know, it's down 20%. And I thought about selling it. You know, I better get out of here now. But when I saw what I was going to get out of it, it's like, nah, I'm not going to give up a piece of the world, a piece of the earth for a thousand bucks, right? So I kept it. Uh, time went by. I ended up selling that and exchanging for three other properties. Mm -hmm. So that property became very, very valuable to me. Yep. Here I was ready to take, a almost ready to take $1,000 cash out of the sale of a property, mm -hmm. but it, the sale did not go through. And I ended up keeping it, ended up with three new properties. Yep. All because of fear, right? You almost lost those three properties that you gained later down the road because of fear. Ah, yeah. Um, but because it sounds like you were able to manage that and see the bigger picture that could be down the road, then you were able to gain quite a bit from it. I had this discussion with my son yesterday. It, it's not that I was able to analyze and figure it out. It's He said I was too stubborn. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> too stubborn to lose. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, what I, I'd like to ask you, Jeff, um, what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's show? Uh, take some time to know what you're trying to do, whether it's buying a, a home for yourself or buying an investment property. Um, take some time to understand and educate yourself what, kind of happens after you you purchase it and what may come from the years you know whether you just have a great realtor that you ask a lot of questions of make sure they're very knowledgeable and can give you some history of the market and and um, some projections of what we think the market's going to do but uh, apart from that there's more resources today out there to educate yourself on what's coming up um, through books podcasts YouTube videos, you name it, that's really important to do that. I'd say stick with that. Know, know what you're doing, get some knowledge on it, and you'll be just fine. How much can you rely on those 
YouTube videos and got to be careful who you're watching. Yeah, you got to yeah. also, also scream that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good point. Um, Stephanie, what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's show? Yeah, you know, I would go back to be compassionate to yourself. Don't expect, when you're feeling fear, don't expect yourself to be perfectionistic in your thinking and your capacity for doing something. Give yourself compassion. I'm feeling afraid, and here's what I can do about it. Just give yourself that compassion so that you can then replace the fear with curiosity. Start with compassion towards yourself, be kind to yourself, and then get curious. All right. And I'd like to say, here's what I want our listeners to remember most about today. And it's a couple of uh, terms that I picked up. Perfectionist thinking. Yeah, you, uh, you can't be perfect. Um, Not at all. I'm going back to my son. One t- I told him one time when he was a kid, I said, I'm going to take you golfing. Because even Tiger Woods doesn't get a hole on one on every hole. Exactly. So, yeah, it's okay to inch your way there or get there slowly. It's okay to fail on your way there, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> You've never seen me golf, have you? I have not. <laughs> I haven't had the privilege. Okay. Um, the other one is I love that about replacing fear with curiosity. Um, curiosity is a great, great thing. Mm-hmm. It, it helps you educate yourself mm-hmm. and learn about the world, learn about the in, inner world. Mm-hmm. You know, why do you do things? What's your motivation for, for doing things? So that's that's been really, really good. Okay, last couple of questions for you. Uh, Jeff, what's your best real estate advice for our listeners? Not for me. Yeah. I'd say just get going with it. If you thought about buying something, um, get moving forward with it because you never know when the right property is going to come along for you, whether it's tomorrow or in two years. Um, it's smart just to be ready to buy something when you're when you're ready to do that. And, and especially if you need to sell a property first to do that, just be ready to do it. Consult a good realtor um, and uh, have your finances in order and wait for that right one to come along. How do you know when you have a good realtor? Trust your instincts on it. If they feel like they know the, the market and they're making a good impression on you, that could be you know one of the better ways to do it. But you can also talk to multiple realtors and compare. That's 100% okay. See how they work with you and, and test their knowledge a little bit. That's 100%. That's great. You should always do that. So be curious. Don't just be fearful that you picked the wrong realtor. Yeah. Ask a lot of questions of a lot of people. And get a good referral from someone else. I mean, if someone else had a good experience with someone, then there's a good chance you will too. All right. Stephanie, how about you? What's your best advice? I would just say start small and taking courageous steps. You got to build that courage, but you got to start small. Be gracious to yourself in that way. But don't don't, uh, not try something because of fear. So start small, start building courage. All right, and I'd like to end the show with this one. I want our listeners to remember what the kids taught us a few weeks ago in the Homewards Essay Contest, mm-hmm. what a home is really all about. Um, it's about providing your family with a safe, secure place mm-hmm. and a fun place for the holidays. So with that, I want to wish everybody happy holidays. I want to thank Stephanie and Jeff Zimmerman for coming in today. And we'll be back again next Saturday. 
You guys take care. Thanks, Bye. Son.